This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Well, um, I have a little uh, a bin in my garage, and my wife uh, informed me that whenever I was down in the shop doing all kinds of work on, you know, changing oil or whatever the case might be, those clothes don't go in the hamper in the house. They go in this little bin because they're specialty clothes because they are a mess with me. So anyway, um, so this is an analogy. I'm actually going somewhere with this, so just stay with me, all right? So here they are. They're all oily and dirty. And you know as well as I do that, you know, if you just put a little bit of soap or detergent or whatever in that, maybe that's probably not going to get them clean especially if it's just a scant little bit of detergent or something of that nature. No, if they're really dirty and oily and whatever, you know, you got to pour it to it. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, when it comes to our lives, you know, the reality is, is many times in our lives, we can really go through some really difficult and challenging times. And uh, that has a tendency to wear on you. It's kind of like the oil and the dirt that gets on the clothes. Well, I guess you could take a little bit of detergent called the Word of God and maybe try to make a little bit of an application to whatever it is going on in your life, or you may need a lot. And so I want to encourage you that if you find yourself in that place, you just need to up the, the, the amount of the Word of God that you're putting on the inside of you. It's, it's the answer, okay? Because it brings revelation, it brings strength, it brings understanding, it brings help, it brings assistance. Now, coupled together with that, if you'll take the time being Spirit-filled or filled with the Holy Ghost, to pray in the Spirit. You say, yeah, but my mind is still going wild. Well, we don't care about that. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about, you know, Paul said, if I pray in an unknown tongue, my spirit prays, yet my understanding is unfruitful. And then when Jude was writing about, you know, uh, praying in other tongues, he said, but you, beloved, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So praying in the Holy Ghost doesn't give you faith, but it builds you up on the faith that you already have. The deposit of faith in your heart comes from the Word. But then you can pray in the Spirit. And it's a spiritual edification. It's not a mental edification kind of exercise and or edification per se. That's where the Word comes in. So if you'll edify your spirit by praying in the Holy Ghost, and then you edify your intellect, your mind, your will, and emotions through the washing of the water of the Word, and that's exactly what it is, you know. Sometimes my wife, you know, she'll run it through an extra rinse cycle, or we're going to get hot water, cold water, I don't know what she does. She, and, and I'm amazed. And, you know, and for those really ugly things that don't want to come out at all, she gets this stuff, I don't know, shout or whatever, and goes to town on it. Sometimes, you know, I have a tendency to not hit my mouth, and I get something on my thing. She says, well, take it in there and take some Dawn and just, you know, pure Dawn, just rub it in there, leave it on the counter, I'll take care of it later. So I'm just saying that when it comes to our personal lives, there's an application. It works, okay? But, you, you know, it, it, it requires our engagement or our involvement in order to make that happen. And uh, so I think sometimes uh, we just quit too, too soon. Uh, we're too easily uh, discouraged. And um, you can't do that. You just got to stay in uh, the presence of God so that the cleansing effect of that can have its effectual working in you. Are you with me? I remember one time, this was years ago, I had just made a decision. I was going to do a lot more praying in the Holy Ghost. And uh, just because I felt like I needed to, you know. And uh, so I made time. And I remember, I think it was one Saturday because I didn't have anything necessarily going on. And uh, I think I prayed in other tongues for like four hours. or I, It was either four or five hours and 45 minutes. Just prayed in the Spirit, you know. And uh, I tell you, some amazing things can happen if you do that. You say, is that what I need to do? I don't know what you need to do. You, you decide for yourself. I'm just telling you what happened in my life. Well, so anyway, at, at 545, I hit a gusher. 
And I don't even know how to explain that, but I can tell you this much about it, man. Up out of my innermost being came the most powerful kind of revelation and freedom that I'd ever uh, had in my life. And, and I wasn't seeking it. It wasn't like, okay, I'm just staying here, man, until something happens. It wasn't that. I just had a uh, determination that I wanted to be with him and pray in the Spirit. And, uh, you know, and then sure enough, here this came. And, I mean, it was uh, freeing. It was liberating, you know. Joy came to my spirit, praise God, and I had the victory. This past Monday night, we had a group of men that came, and I don't remember how many were there. There were 50-some, I suppose. And, um, and while we were praying for some of these men, you know, the Spirit of God on the inside of us, man, I mean, you could just tell there was joy that started coming up. And it's because these men were getting victory in certain areas of their lives, things that they'd been... <coughs> excuse me, dealing with and so on and so forth. So thank God for the victory. Amen. Amen. So if you need some of that, I, uh, I recommend that you drink from the well of salvation and I believe you'll be blessed. Y'all bring your Bibles with you tonight. Let's open them to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Those of you that are watching online this evening, welcome. We're glad you're here. Hope you got a Bible there. We're going to get into the word of God. We've been talking about faith. We're going to keep doing that this evening. And, uh, and I'm going to try to get through my passing in review or my intro, you know, into actually some of the things that I'd like to talk about, but I'm not making any guarantees. Is that all right with you? Hebrews chapter 11, let's pray together. We'll get into it. Father, thank you again for this portion of this service and time that we have together this evening. I just appreciate so much these people, Father, that, you know, have uh, made their way to, to the service this evening and in uh, weather that's maybe less than the best. So I just thank you for honoring their faithfulness to you and to the church and their involvement here this evening. And Father, I thank you for giving us utterance in the Holy Ghost. But not only that, Father God, giving us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to believe. Thank you, Father. There are those that are here tonight, Father, that have come with questions, needing answers, needing solutions, needing victory. And I thank you, Father, for giving it to them in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. And by faith, the elders obtained a good report. Drop down to, well, let's read verse 3. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. So that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Drop down to verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him or search for him. This is our fourth week. We've been talking about what faith is, how it works. Uh, another title that we could give to it is the importance of faith. Really, you know, the, the reality is there's nothing more important than faith because it's by faith we're saved. It's by faith we're healed. It's by faith we receive from God, so on and so forth. So faith is an important uh, subject to talk about. And the Bible encourages us to have strong faith. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible makes reference to Abraham, how that he was not weak in faith, but strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what God promised he was able also to perform. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? So the good news is we can have faith. We can have strong faith. And um, I believe, praise God, that our faith grows from faith to faith and from glory to glory. Amen. How many of you think you're maybe better off than you were? How about the rest? Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Hallelujah. But here's the thing. Again, we can have strong faith, but we need to know what it is. We also need to know where it comes from, and we need to know how it works. You know, um, many times Christians will mistake faith for wishful thinking or hoping. You'll hear that a lot of times you're talking, you know, when people have certain needs in their lives and things like that, you know. But again, hope, it has its place, but it cannot replace genuine biblical Bible faith because they're simply not the same. As we read in our text here this evening in verse 1, it says, faith is the substance. Another way we could say that is, is that faith gives substance 
to what we hope for. Hope doesn't have any substance. It's like a dream. I mentioned that, you know, on one occasion. You can have a dream. It seems so real at the time, you know. <laughs> Some of the things that you're dreaming are just weirder than all get out. But it, at that moment, man, it's all, it all works somehow or another until you wake up. And as soon as you wake up, the dream's gone. Well, that's the way hope is. You know, it's like that dream. I mean, unless there's something to uh, uh, cause substance to it to, to come about, it, it, it just kind of vanishes and that's the end of it. So, you know, uh, one translation in the New English Bible says that faith gives substance to our hope. Hallelujah. Think of it this way in the natural. You know, maybe somebody invites you to go on vacation with them and you're going to go to someplace sunny and it's going to be warm and, you know, the beaches are all sandy and it's awesome. How many of you would like to do that right now? Okay, well, there you go. So anyway, they say, well, we're going to be going in, let's say, March or something like that, you know, early March. We're going to go, you know, someplace. Well, you know, you know, it's out there. It's like it's like that, man. We're really excited about this because, you know, we we got this invitation. We're going to go. You haven't got there yet, but you've got the invitation. And that's the way hope is. And what faith does is it gets itself ready. You probably start trying to lose a little weight, eating a little better, you know, all these different kinds of things so you can get into your Speedo or whatever it is you're going to wear. Hope that's well. Anyway, you know, you get the whole point. In other words, you start doing things in order to get to the place where we end up on the jet going to a place where it's nice and warm. And that's what faith is. Faith acts on the Word of God, and it brings the hope into a reality where our life is concerned. Does that make sense to you? Okay. And so, um, <clears throat> uh, one translation, Weymouth's translation says that now faith is the well-grounded assurance of that which we hope for, a conviction and a conviction of the reality of things we do not see. Okay? The things we don't see, even though they're real. How many of you know there's another realm where everything's real? And what we're doing is we're taking and we're bringing that into the existence of this earthborn existence through a thing called faith. Hallelujah. So here's the thing about all of this, you guys. We're sharing these truths with you, you know, throughout each and every Wednesday night so that you can have confidence toward God. Because I tell you, He loves you. And I mean, it, it, you know, it's not predicated on performance. It doesn't have anything to do with all your past failings and mistakes. He loves you unconditionally. And it's reflected in the simple fact that he was willing to give his son as a ransom for you so that you could be saved. But you have to get your heart and you have to get your head wrapped around that reality and that truth. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And yet a lot of times Christians, because they go through hard times or difficult situations or their circumstances or such, they think somehow or another that God is the one who's abandoned them, you know, because he's not doing anything about it. And really the, tr the reality is, is that we're at an impasse in that circumstance of probably because of what we don't know or what it is that we need to be doing. Hallelujah. Because God will always show up. He's never late. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Amen. But it is true because he loves us and he wants the best for us. You know, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, uh, get a charge out of watching you suffer hardship. He doesn't, you know, there's nothing that excites him about you having to live in some form of pain or anything of that nature, discouragement, despair, all those different kinds of things. They're not from God. He's not the author of them. Hell is. And we live in a fallen world. And that's why the Bible tells us that we're to resist the devil and he will flee from us. But if I can convince you that God is the one that's bringing these things about in your life and that somehow or another, you know, uh, he doesn't like you because you haven't done this or that or the whatever, and we don't understand the character and nature of God, then, then we get all fouled up and there's no faith in that. Because what has happened is, is the, the, the adversary of our soul has convinced us or managed to deceive us into thinking that there's this, this chasm between us and God. And there really isn't. Does that make sense to you? You know, so you have to understand that the God of this world does everything he can to keep you from your connection, if you want to call it that, or, you know, your, your union, maybe that's a better way of putting it, that you have with God. 
So again, we're telling you these things and sharing these truths so that you can have confidence toward God. If God be for us, who can be against us? The Lord is on my, your side, on my side. He's for us. Hallelujah. And that becomes important. And so we talked about last week, we discussed the mistake that many times people make in, in thinking, or we could say even believing, that whatever circumstances that occur in their lives is somehow the will of God. You know, accidents occur and different things of that nature. We don't necessarily have an answer for them, but somehow or another we just, you know, here's, here's the common terminology that often gets used in circumstances like this. Well, you know, I guess it must have been the way it was supposed to be. I've heard that, you know, people say that all the time, you know, and they don't really have an answer. They don't really know why, but, you know, that sounds... I guess, good. Maybe that's religious. You know, it is religious. There's no question about that. I guess it was just the way it was supposed to be. Or, you know, someone, uh, for example, they die in a car accident or something like that, and they'll say, well, it must have been their time. Well, you know, the Scripture tells us that with long life will God satisfy us and show us His salvation. So evidently, God's intent is for you to live long on the earth. Isn't that what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6? said, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And it comes with a promise that it may be well with you and that you might live long on the earth. God wants people to live long on the earth. And yet sometimes that doesn't happen for whatever reason, you know, that it might be. But again, you know, the, the, the reasoning is, well, you know, it just must have been their time. Well, all that really is is a, a fatalistic attitude. It's, it's left up to fate. You know, in other words, you don't really have any kind of a uh, way of, you know, controlling this or, or anything of that nature. So essentially, people believe that God reveals his will through circumstances. You know, whatever the circumstance is, that must be the will of God. And I just got to tell you, not all circumstances are the will of God. Are you with me? So we just have to determine and define what that is. I gave you the definition of fatalism. It's a doctrine that events are fixed in advance so that the human being is powerless to change them. Well, I don't see anything in the New Testament that, that embraces or, or espouses fatalism. And you had a lot of people, you know, I, I mentioned my brother Bob. You know, he said, well, I just believe if God wants to save me. He'll save me. And if he don't, then, then I won't be saved. And I just told him, you know, hey, you're going you're gonna to bust the gates of hell wide open with that kind of thinking. Because it's not God's decision. God already did everything he needs to do. It's your decision to bow your knee and give your heart to Christ. Well, thank God I got good news. He did. And on one occasion, on a Sunday morning, he came down, walked the aisle, got filled with the Holy Ghost. It was awesome. We went back home. We were going to have lunch, you know. We're getting ready to pray and have lunch. Can't find Bob. Where's Bob? He's down in the basement. I mean, man, he's going to town. Hallelujah. Filled with the Holy Ghost. And thank God for that. So... <clears throat> You know, not all circumstances are from God. And, and another way I could say this is, is you know, people, they talk about, uh, it, this, this goes right together with it. They, 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 they layer in or lay on top of this the sovereignty of God. You know, that God's sovereign, he's in control, all that, and this and that and the other, you know. And, and a lot of this also kind of, it kind of bleeds off into predestination. How many of you have ever heard that? Okay, you're just predestined, you know, here. I'm going to, this little side journey here, I want to I address that whole issue. Would that be okay? Look over in Romans chapter 8 with me, and uh, let's see what this says so that we can get our theology straightened up. Uh, uh, Romans chapter 8, okay? You know, again, predestination, what's that mean? Well, that just means that, you know, all circumstances are fixed in time by God, and you really don't have any say-so in the matter. You were predestined. This was your deal, you know. But I want to I wanna clear that up because it's, it's important. Notice with me in the, uh, uh, Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. Notice what it says. And we know. Everybody say, we know. Yeah, we know that all things, and they use this, these verses quite, quite strongly in this. We know that all things <clears throat> work together for good. So it's including all bad things, good things, and everything in between. 
at least in their interpretation. So we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. For whom God did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed into the image of his son that he might be the firstborn among men and brethren. And moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and those he called he also justified, and those he justified he's also glorified. So what can we say to these things? If God be for us, who, be, who can be against us? Well, that all seems, you know, to, you know, sound good, but it is not scriptural at all. Let me mention to you, you know, one of the first rules, one of, of many, but one is, is that, you know, when it comes to Bible interpretation, we have to interpret the scripture within the context of what's being written. So if you just start with verse 28 and take off, you know, and you say all things work together for good, good and bad and ugly and everything in between, then you can miss what's being said here. But if you'll back up a couple of verses, it says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our, King James uses the word infirmities, or our inability to produce results. For we know not what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself actually makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches our hearts knows what is the, King James uses the word mind or plan of the Spirit. Now, if we interpret the rest of the Bible, we, we, can we all agree that God has a good plan for us? Okay. That God's plan is good. So in this, in this scripture, it's talking about how that the Holy Ghost will help us to pray for situations that come our way that have maybe assaulted or come against us and is not according to the will of God. But he'll give us utterance in the Spirit to pray according to the mind or the plan of the Spirit. Does that make sense to you? And so now let's go on reading here. Verse 27 again. He that searches the hearts knows what is the mind or the plan of the Spirit because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Hallelujah. Aren't you glad for that? And so because of that, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. How many of you love God tonight? Well, so God has good things in store for you. He, they work together for good. People dying in car accidents, you, you know, people dying prematurely, whatever that is, that's not good, all right? So it isn't the plan of God. But we've, we've dumped everything into these verses and say, see, here it is, you know, there isn't anything you can do about it. Now, let's go on down through this a little bit more. Y'all with me so far? Notice it says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them that are called according to His purpose, what is God's purpose? Well, his purpose was to send Christ. And why did he send Christ? So that you and I could be redeemed, so we could be saved, so that we could have everlasting life, so that we could get out from underneath the slavery of sin and its punishment. Isn't that right? In other words, so that God could return everything to his original intent where Adam was concerned before he disobeyed God. Is, am I... Is this a deep dive and, and you're all, your brain's going tilt? I hope not. You know, because I really want you to get this because it'll help you. Notice what it goes on to say here. We know that all things are worked together for good to them that love God. You know, I, I pray it all the time. I, I say, you know, I'll talk to people. I'll counsel them. I say, you know, all this is from hell. And I said, what the devil meant for evil, God is going to turn into good. Well, I hope that would encourage someone, right? In other words, we identify that whatever it is that's coming our way is certainly not from God, not from heaven, not the will of God in any way, shape, or form. And what the devil is meant for evil, God is going to turn into good. The Bible says if the thief gets found out in the book of Proverbs, he has to repay sevenfold. I like that. Amen. 
And so we know he's going to come against us. But so it says that these things work together for good for those that love God and we love God and those who are called according to his purpose. How many of you are called tonight according to his purpose? Now, listen. Now, the next verse, this is important because it says, for whom he did for no, he also predestined. That's where they, they, now all of a sudden, you know, everything's all lined out. There's nothing you can do because after all, God predestined it. Well, what we don't do is again, interpret the whole thing in the light of what's being said. It says, for whom he foreknew, he predestined. How many of you believe God knows everything? So in fact, he does know what your choice is going to be, but because he is God, but he leaves that choice up to you. So he, in his foreknowledge, knew or knows what you're going to do. And if you, you know, and those that he knows are going to say yes, he has predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. The predestined part of it is for you to become like Jesus. Okay? Are you with me? You say, Pastor, you've been, you've, been, you've been going deep here. Well, no, I just want to get this across to you because it's so important. Because if we, here's the thing, you guys, if you don't know which side God is on when it comes to your personal life, you're not going to have strong faith. You'll be all over the place. Well, I don't know if I believe that. And that's why I'm taking this deep dive to help you understand that for those he foreknew, he has predestined to be conformed into the image of his son. In other words, the predestined part is, is for you to be like Jesus. Okay? And then it goes on then to say, um, um, moreover, those he has predestined, he has called. How many of you are called tonight? Yeah. You are whether you realize it or not. And those he has called, he's also justified. And those that he has justified, he's also glorified. So these are things that God has already, I mean, they're already in the work. And that's why it then says, you know, uh, if God be for us, who can be against us? And he's for you. So I hope that helps you, uh, you know, at least in the context of some of these circumstances that because, again, all circumstances are not fixed in time by God and there's nothing you can do about it. I'm telling you, man, the devil comes against my household sickness and disease, baby. I'm going to be all over resisting it in the name of Jesus. Why? Because it's not the will of God. Are you with me? Same thing would be with poverty or any other kind of, you know, subject or whatever it is that we want to talk about. People that have all kinds of worry, anxiety, and care. That's not the will of God. God's called you to peace. He said, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind. Jesus said, my peace give I unto you. My peace give I unto you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. He said, don't ever let your heart be troubled. Well, okay, so how's that going to happen? Because we live in this ungodly, you know, fallen kind of world. Well, that means that we need to guard our hearts with all diligence. We can't let it in. Are you with me? And you know, sometimes the devil will take the closest things to you to use against you. Did you hear that? I said, sometimes the devil will take the things that are closest to you to use them against you. You know, we have concerns about loved ones and different things, you know, where they're flying right or whatever, and it causes us, quote, unquote, concern, right? Well, what does the Bible tell us to do? It tells us to cast our care onto Him. It says that let our requests be made known unto Him, and the peace of God will keep, you know, but we got to give it to Him and let Him have it. Are you with me? And let Him keep it. We can't fix it. You know, people have regrets about their kids and how they turned out and this and that and the other. Well, you know what? Here's the thing. You know, you were involved as much as you knew or, or, or as much as you knew at the time and however it is that you could put, your, put the word into them, if that's the right way to put it. But then those kids come to a place where now they're going to make their own decisions, an age of accountability, and they're going to decide what they're going to do. And so what happens is the devil will come to you and he'll say, well, you didn't do a very good job there. You really screwed that up because look at this. And that. No. It's not on you. It's on them. Because now they're making their own decisions about how they're going to live. And they're not going to live on your faith. 
They're either going to get their own or they're not going to have it. And then they're just going to go and do whatever it is that they do. And you're going to continue to pray for them. But you're going to keep the care in his hands of the situation. But, you know, the devil, he'll take guilt, condemnation. He'll beat the living daylights out of you, you know, because you didn't do this. You didn't do that. You didn't do the other thing. You say, well, that's just cold hearted. It isn't cold hearted. It isn't that we don't care. It isn't that we don't love. It isn't that we don't want the best for them. But I mean, at the end of the day, they've got just some decisions to make. People always want to assign blame to someone other than themselves. Am I in the right house? So you need to get free of it. And I'm not, you know, I'm telling you this because somebody in here, you're laboring under that. And it's not yours. You were never designed to carry it. They have to make some, de- yeah, I know it's hard, it's painful. And, and, and I'm sure there's tears, you know, that are associated with it. Why? <clears throat> well, obviously, you'd like to see them doing something different. Excuse me. But, but the reality is, is that it's not yours to care for. Amen. You know, I think about Jesus all the time. I mean, he was surrounded by people with all kinds of problems. I mean, if he wanted to, he would have turned into a basket case. But he knew that these things didn't belong to him. He can't fix the world, although he did, you know. But yeah, right on the other hand, a whole bunch of folk got to find out what he did and then accept and believe what it is that he did so they can get fixed. He's done everything he knows to do, man. He died and rose again. Are you with me? Let me get a drink here. Mm. So the reality is this kind of thinking, this predestination, fatalistic kind of thing, you know, and circum- everything that happens in our lives is God, it's, it's, it's baloney, okay? It's, it, that kind of doctrine or thinking misrepresents the true, ter- true character of God and his nature, Let me ask you this question tonight. How can I have faith toward God unless I know who he truly is? I can't. But thank God I've got his word. And I can find out exactly who he is. But it's not the religious context that so often gets pitched where people's lives are concerned, you know. But I can know his character. I can know his will. I can know his plan. I can know the nature of God. He says, you know, when he says God so loved the world, that's exactly what he did. Hallelujah. He's, you know, the Bible says God is love. So the other thing you have to understand in the context of that, in our text, in Hebrews chapter 11, 6, the last part of it, For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? He's a what? He is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. God wants to reward you for your your faithfulness. He wants to reward you for your commitment to him, to follow him, to obey him, to do the will of God. You got a choice. Well, I don't much feel like doing the will of God. All right, well then... Live with the consequence. That's, that's all. You know, it, 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 uh, <laughs> are you with me? Praise God. I'd rather obey God. If you obey God, you're smart. Okay? And thank God we can do that. Glory to God. So the Bible, again, it tells me exactly who he is. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang on to that with all my being. And so, again, faith, it's derived in believing what is written. And that, you guys, I mean, at the end of the day, all the stuff that I talked to you about, I mean, at the end of the day, that is at the very core of a thing called faith. You have to believe what is written. That's what faith is. I believe You know, when the Bible says that I'm to put away anger, I believe that. I need to get rid of anger in my life, okay? You know, if it says, don't go around lying anymore, provide things honest in the sight of all men. So I don't lie anymore, you know? No little green lies, white lies, gray lies, or any otherwise. No lies, you know? Yeah, but wouldn't it make it a whole lot easier? I mean, you know, couldn't we fudge this a little bit? No. I said, no. We need to, again, be the people that he has called us to be. Well, if I'm honest, then it could cost me. Well, it may cost you on the front end, but I can tell you this much about it. He'll reward you for your obedience to him on the back end. You with me? 
So it becomes important uh, where our lives are concerned. Listen, make, let me uh, make this statement to you. God's character is revealed by his word, not by your circumstance or circumstances, you know. His, his, his character, who he is. And that, and that kind of goes back to this whole value of having your mind renewed to the word. He said, you know, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that's that process. That's, you know, sticking your brain in the washing machine and putting it on the extended cycle. Okay? <laughs> Hallelujah. So that things can be done. <clears throat> I... I um, you know, refer to, we call him dad, but Brother Hagen, he was the founder of our Bible school many years ago, back in 1974. And I refer to him quite a bit, you know, in my teaching and things of that nature. But, you know, he was, uh, when he was a young boy, um, he was given up to die. He had an incurable blood disease. He had a uh, disorder. His, his heart was deformed. Um, he had paralysis. He had a lot of different things. And by the time he was probably about 15 and a half years old, he was in a, uh, he was in a bed. He was bed fast and he couldn't get out of bed. And his story and testimony was, is that, you know, there was five different doctors that looked at his situation and they just said, there's nothing we can do. There's no, there's no medically, there's no medical way to manage what it is that's going on. If it wasn't this, this would kill you. And if it wasn't this, this would kill you. I mean, he didn't have any hope, you know. And, you know, most of them just say, said, go down the middle of the road and stay ready to go. So here's a 15-year-old adolescent kid in a bed and he can't get out. So he made the decision that if there was any hope for him whatsoever, it had to be in the Bible. You know, he asked his mother one time, he said, you know, how, what, what part of, you know, just wanting to live, what, what, what part does that play? Well, his mother, you know, she just said, well, that's probably 50% of it. And he said, well, I got that 50%. Now all I got to do is figure out how to get the other 50, you know. So he started looking in the Bible, reading the Bible. And, you know, um, because of his paralysis, he would just kind of scoot the pages across. So he started in Matthew, you know, in the New Testament because he knew he didn't have much time. So he better start there instead of go clear back to Genesis, you know. So he started there, got to Mark 11, uh, uh, 23 and 24. And it says, therefore, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you'll receive them and you'll have them. And as soon as he read that scripture, the thought occurred to him, this might be my deal. But immediately at the same time, he had this thought or reasoning that said this, that doesn't mean the things whatsoever you desire physically or materially or financially. That just means whatever things you desire spiritually. Healing has been done away with. He grew up Baptist. And so, you know, they had their the in their theology is uh, healing is no longer for today. Well, so when you get conditioned that way, people tell you, well, healing doesn't, you know, it's not for today. Then if you accept that, then you're in trouble. You're behind the curve. And that's exactly where he was. And so <clears throat> he actually asked for ministers to come and explain to him what Mark eleven twenty four 24 really meant. And nobody came. And finally, one guy did come and he said, you know, <laughs> his statement to him was just be patient, boy. He said, in a little while, all, it'll all be over. In just a few days, it'll all be over. So there's no hope. You talk about a hopeless situation. We're talking about what faith can do in hopeless circumstances. You know, Abraham, the Bible says, when there was no hope, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. People, you know, face hopeless situations all the time. But I'm telling you that God, with faith, can turn that thing around. Are you with me? So in his situation, you know, he, uh, um, you know, he wasn't getting any help from the ministers. And, and I understand that. Sometimes, you know, these things are, you know, beyond what it is that we understand or know or whatever the case might be. But he then decided, he, he said, he, he prayed a prayer. And he just said, Lord, I'm going to take you at your word. You said that what things soever I desire, which is healing, he said, whatever I desire when I pray to believe that I receive them and I'll have them. And so he said, I'm going to take you at your word. And if you didn't lie about it, I'm coming off this bed. And he did eventually. 
And uh, he said, because I can believe what you said, I can believe. So he started running references in the scriptures. And, and the reason I bring this up to you guys is because, you know, you'll find a certain promise or you have a desire within your heart. And because of your past or what it is that you've learned, you know, that's unscriptural or whatever the case might be, that'll loom up, right? You know, as soon as the hope of the scripture comes, then this comes. And that's what happened to him in Mark 11 and 24. He said, whatever things you desire when you pray. He says, that's not what that means. That doesn't mean, you know, anything uh, where your health is concerned, your finances or anything physically. No, no, it means something spiritually. So what does the devil do? He lies to people. He twists the truth, you know, where the Bible is concerned. So he ran his references. He got to James chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, is there any sick among you? Let them call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. Well, he started crying. He said, I don't know of an elder anywhere, anyhow, any who that believes this scripture. So he, he was heartbroken over the idea. Well, thank God he, got, he was saved anyway, and he heard in his heart. He said, you know, did, did you read in that scripture that says in the prayer of faith? She'll save the sick? He said, well, yeah, that's it. He wasn't really paying much attention to it, but he went back and he looked at it, and the Spirit of God said, you can pray that prayer as well as anybody. And all of a sudden, you know, so in other words, light's coming, you know, as he's looking into the Word of God where his own life is concerned. And finally he saw, and, that, that, and, and the, the one little thing that he missed is that he finally understood from Mark eleven twenty four that he had to believe, believe that he had already received, you know, what it is that he desired. And so as soon as the light bulb came on, he, he knew, he said, I got it. I've got it. Now he's laying in bed, he's paralyzed, he can't do anything. He's the same Kenneth E. Hagin that he was then. And all of a sudden, the Holy Ghost spoke to him. He said, you believe you're well, don't you? He says, I sure do. He says, well, then get up because well people ought to be up at 1030 in the morning. And he couldn't hardly move. He had some use of his extremities, his upper extremities. So he grabbed a hold of the bedpost and he pulled himself out and, and his feet went flopping down on the ground. And, you know, he's hanging onto this bedpost. You know, with his feet, you know, knees nearly touching the floor. He said, I just want to declare before God and before the angels of heaven and before hell and all of the demons of hell that I believe I received my healing. And he was not, I mean, physically there was nothing there. But he said while he was there, then all of a sudden there was like this anointing that came upon him that felt like honey. And it landed on the top of his head and it it piled up. And then it started oozing down throughout his body. And he said, I was in such excruciating pain. He says, I don't even know how to explain it, but it felt so good I didn't care. And before it was over with, that guy was standing in his bedroom healed by the power of God because of the revelation of the word. Amen. But, you know, I, I, I use that as an example because a lot of times, you know, when, you're, when you grow up in poverty, that's all you know. When you grow up in lack and deficiency, that's all you know. When you're always in debt and all this, that's all you know. But God wants to deliver the person that's in debt, that's in poverty, that can't pay their bills, all of those things. Why? Because it's his will. So what we have to do is we got to get enough of the word of God in us with regard to that subject so that we can learn the way that we should go. You say, well, that ought to be simple enough. Just stop spending all your money. Well, you know, again, if you develop habits... (laughs) Um, they can be hard to shake. Are you with me? But you can learn, you can say, you can stand, you can say, enough of this. We're done. We're doing something different. Amen. How many are still glad you came? Well, we got eight minutes left. Praise God. You know, again, there's this, there's a manward side and there is a Godward side to this thing that's called faith. We do our part, he will do his part. But so many people want God to do everything, and that's not the way it works. I mean, the thing about it is, you know, in, isn't it in Hosea? No, have, uh, Hosea? Is it in Hosea where it talks about you got bags with holes in them? Is that Hosea? 
Come on, help me out. Somebody should know this. Well, anyway, it talks about bags with holes in it. Anybody got their little concordance on their phone? We got to look at this. Come on. in Hosea. Anybody find it? Huh? What is it? Haggai. Haggai. That's right. All right. Haggai. Look over there, chapter 1. You say, where in the world is Haggai at? Well, it's in your Bible. Zechariah, Malachi, Got to get up, back up here. Zephaniah, Nahum, Habakkuk. I'm there. What'd you say? One six. Okay. That's not. That's Habakkuk. <laughs> All right. Hang on. You say the pastor is lost tonight. No, really, I'm okay. What's that? Zephaniah and then Haggai. I used to know all these. So it's in, it's couched in here between Zechariah. Yeah, there we go. Notice this verse. <laughs> now that it, take me, it took me 10 minutes to find it. But notice this verse. Verse 6. You have sown much and bring in little. You eat but you don't have enough. You drink, but, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earns wages, earns wages to put it into bags with holes. In other words, the point is, it doesn't make any difference how fast you pour it in the top. If you got all these holes in the bottom, it ain't never going to get filled, you know? So there's that, that part of it or that dynamic where our lives are concerned. Does God want to bless you? Absolutely he does. You say, yeah, but my problem is I don't have enough to pour in the top. Well, that's a whole other issue in and of itself. We'll plug up the holes, you know, and whatever it is that's coming in, then we'll work on how it is that we can improve the flow. Does that make sense to you? You know, because God wants to bless your life. Hallelujah. So maybe it means that you have to, I, I, you know, I've watched this over the years where people, you know, have ended up in really dire situations and difficult circumstances, and maybe they're a single mother or whatever. And so now they got kids that they're having to raise, and then they got to make a living because, you know, Bozo the clown took off or whatever the case might be. And so they decide to go back to school. And so they're doing this, they're doing this. And what are they doing? They're, they're endeavoring to better themselves. Do you think that's easy? No, not in the least. And I mean, you know, they're, they're, I mean, all of these different kinds of things. Why? Because they have to learn a skill set that will improve to put them in a place to where they can have better. And they have to work. Are you with me? Is it fair? No, but life isn't fair. And my point to that is, is that, you know, sometimes, I mean, when we first got started in the ministry, we didn't have anything and we had no guarantees, but I tell you what, we put our hand to the plow because we knew that we were called into the ministry. And so there was lean times. There's no question about it. <clears throat> People look at us now and look at the church and they think, wow, that's a big deal. But nobody was back there 40 years ago. Well, Deanna was. But anyway, you know, <clears throat> um, we didn't have nothing. I remember one time when she was our accountant, we had $27.43 in the checking account. And you know, uh, guess what? That ain't much. And yet God provided for us and kept us going, and um, we made it, you know. How come I'm talking about all this? Hallelujah. Well, we're talking about faith, aren't we? Amen. And you're not going to stay where you're at, right? But you know, you, <laughs> you know the definition of insanity. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're always going to have what you've already gotten. So you've got to make some changes. You know, you have hope for a better life. You have a hope for a change of your circumstance. You have hope or a desire to be healed from, from, you know, some infirmity or whatever. But faith gives you the ability to bring those things you hope for into a reality in your life. But again, Satan has these subtle methods, uh, lies, 
to try to keep you out of that blessing. Are you with me? You'll never make it. You know, as soon as you hear the word, you know, hear the words, you're never going to make it. You just need to turn around and say, oh, yeah, I've already made it because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Amen. When you hear you're never going to make it, there's only one intention behind that statement, and that is to keep you where you are or bury you where you are. And it's a lie. So if you accept it, you know, I, I can't tell you how many times, you know, the thought occurred to us, my wife and I, we're not going to make it. People were telling us we weren't going to make it. You know, I mean, we're, not only are we having to deal with it, they're helping the cause. Are you listening to me? That we would fight the good fight of faith and say, no, God called us to pastor and God is going to put us over. And he did. Are you listening to me? And the same thing's true with you. The devil is a liar. You know, if you're being discouraged by, you know, your current circumstance and this and that and the other, I mean, you need to laugh at the devil because he's a liar. He won't like it, but you will. Amen. Because God's going to put you over where life is concerned. He has these subtle methods, which again are just lies, to keep people in a place of defeat if he can. But he can't. Why? Because you can't be defeated and you don't, you're not going to quit. Are you listening to me? Hallelujah. So, um, I think about, and, and, and this is the effort side of this, maybe that's right. We talked about the woman with the issue of blood. What if that gal would have stayed home? The Bible says that when she came, when she heard of Jesus, she came in the press behind, for she said within herself, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. But, you know, I will guarantee you that she had to entertain the thought, you're considered unclean, you're not to go out in public. And she, saw, she must have decided, I don't really care. Huh? I mean, I'm, I'm at the end here. For 12 years, I've been this way. I've spent everything. I'm a pauper now. I got nothing. What difference does it make? And so she went. You know, take Abraham, you know. He gets approached by God, and he says, listen, if you'll go out from your own countrymen, your own place, I'll take you to a place, and I'm going to make you a great and mighty nation. Hallelujah. And from you, nations will come out. He says, I'm in. He's 75 years old. He packs it up with his nephew and Lot, and away they go. And they're out there sojourning and all this and that and the other, and they're going down the road of life. And, there's, and different times, God visits him. You know, and in one place, I think it's the 17th chapter of Genesis, you know, God visits him and he says, I am your shield and your exceeding great reward. In other words, I'm the one that protects you and I am the one that blesses you. And he said, great, but what good is any of that if I go childless and Eliezer, some servant in my house, is my heir? And God said, come on outside. So he takes him outside the tent. He says, look up into the sky, into the stars, and if you can count them, so will your seed be. And the Bible says that Abraham believed God. He, he believed not what was written, but what was told him. Are you with me? He believed the word of the Lord, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Now, that's in chapter 17 or somewhere along in there. And so he gets this great idea, him and his wife, that maybe it's not Sarah that's the one that's going to give birth to the child. And so she says, maybe you should just take my um, servant woman, Hagar. That was a huge mistake. We're still paying for that. You know, and, and so, she, you know, she has a child and that causes all kinds of problems. And then in chapter 9, I believe it is, that God visits him again. My point to sharing this with you is, is that he was 75 years old when it started. And now we're, you know, seven chapters down the road, and he's 99, 24, 25 years. And this promise has, it is in, it's, it's not in view, Okay. And God said, I am El Shaddai, the God that is more than enough. And you're going to have a child. You know, I mean, I, I won't get into all of that. But the point is that I'm trying to make to you is, is that when God tells you something, he said, you're the head, not the tail. You're above only, not beneath. 
I'll bless your bread and water. Praise God. And, I'll, and, and you know, you'll be blessed coming in and going out. And what, however the scriptures tell us, you know, that's his will for you. So let's fight for that. Let's believe God for that. You know, if we got, you know, if we're discouraged or if we're afraid or if we're, you know, anxious about this or that or the other, then let's find scriptures that cover our case and say, we're not going to yield to, we're not going to respond to all of these other inputs where our life is concerned. We're going to respond and believe God because he has a plan for my life. And I mean, dude, if you got to get out and shout it on the rooftop, then go ahead. You say, well, people think I'm nuts. Well, they probably already think that, you know, hallelujah. It's just kind of like the woman, you know. So um, let's see. I, I know what I wanted to say, you know. How many times do you think that uh, Abraham might have had occasion to think, this whole father of nations thing, I must have had a bad pizza that night. 25 years. You know, 25. That's a long time. But you know what? The Bible says that God visited Sarah, and not only that, but she received strength to conceive seed because she judged him faithful who promised. She, she was in the tent when God was having this conversation with Abraham and said, your, your, your wife's going to have a child, and she laughed about it. So when, 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 when she had an audience with them, they said, why did you laugh? She says, I didn't laugh. She says, yeah, you did. How many of you know God knows everything about us? And then some. Hallelujah. Well, she judged him faithful, and you can judge him faithful. I wish we could talk some more about this, but anyway, listen. Wherever you're at, whatever's going on, whatever you're dealing with, I'm telling you, God is faithful. And if it's, you know, a hardship, a difficulty, a challenge, uh, whatever, you know, however, however you would describe it, he's in it with you to win it. And he wants to put you over. And you say, but I don't know how. I don't, I don't know how that's going to work. Well, a lot of times we don't. But we can sure look to him and know that, praise God, he'll make a way where there is no way. You know, and I'll close with this because we're past our time. But James... You know, he said, if, do any of you lack in wisdom? That was the question. Do you need some wisdom about your life and what you need to do? He said, let him or her ask of who? God. Let him ask of God. And then it goes on to say, nothing wavering. What's it? Is, is that up there? No. I see you looking forward, but I'm going to read it because I want to make sure that uh, I get this right. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally, generously. If any of you lack wisdom, ask God, and he will give it to you liberally or generously, and he won't try to find fault. It isn't like he's going to do some interrogation thing with you. If you need wisdom, ask him, and he'll give it to you. Period. Okay? Well, I don't really deserve it. None of us deserve anything, you guys. You know, when you say, I don't deserve it, then you've been listening to the wrong voice, the wrong counsel. No, we don't. But it's not about us. It's about what he wants to do in your life. All he wants you to do is trust him. So if any of you lack in wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all men liberally and upbraid not, and it shall be given him or her. It shall be. I said it shall be. I said it shall be. So when am I to expect this wisdom to come? I am to believe that I receive when I pray, right? Yeah, but I don't have it. I don't have it. I haven't heard anything. I don't know anything. You know, as long as you're in that, you know, I'm chasing my tail here, it's not going to work. But if you say, Father, you said in your word that if I lack wisdom, that you give it to me. And I'm asking you for your wisdom because I need it right now. And so I believe that I receive what I need to know about my life and you'll give it to me. Because it goes on to say, but let him ask in faith. In other words, believing what is written, right? Nothing wavering. 
For he that wavers is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. Let not that man think or imagine that he'll receive anything from the Lord. Why? Because a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So I gotta, when I come to God, I have to find the scripture that tells me, that is written, that if I lack wisdom, that he'll give it to me. And so, Father, my life, my circumstance, my children, my whatever, I need some wisdom here. How is it that I'm to respond? What is it that I need to do? And the Bible says, he'll give it to you. Amen. You say, well, how's he going to do it? I don't know. You know, it may be somebody walks up to you. When my dad was on his deathbed, he was dying of cirrhosis of the liver. He's in Jenny Edmondson's hospital. I'm working in a grocery store, you know, front and shelves and waiting for the thing over the intercom. Carry out. And I go up there, you know, and pack up everybody's stuff and haul it out to their car. It was really a glorious job. But that's what I did. And I can remember that I was back in the cooler area, you know, where all the, they always put the, the milk and everything clear in the back. You know that, don't you? Why? So you'll pick up a whole bunch of stuff on your way to get the milk. All right. So I'm back there and I'm doing whatever. And this woman, I'm trying to remember her name right now, I can't. But she came in and I'm concerned about my father because he's all jaundiced and you know, swollen up and uh, uh, can't talk. And, and I mean, he's on his last leg. And this woman, and, and I'm praying for my dad because I don't want him to go to hell. All right. And, and this woman comes in, Linda Strong. Do you remember that name? Strong. Strong. Maybe that's not the right name. Doesn't matter. Anyway, she comes in and we're talking. I'm explaining my situation, you know, about my dad and this and that. And she says, well, you know what? She said, uh, you know, my former pastor, he told me, he said one time he had to go in and he couldn't talk to somebody. And so he communicated with them by squeezing, uh, having them squeeze his hand. And I knew right then, this is what I need to do. So Joan and I, we weren't married then. Yeah, no, we weren't married. And so she and I went in talk to him. And I mean, you know, everything about this situation, if you've ever been in a hospital room, I mean, sometimes it can be pretty overwhelming. And here I am, uh, let's see, I would be uh, 19, 20, maybe 19, 20 years old or something like that. And there's my dad. And so I went in there and I said, dad, I said, I'm, I'm here. I want to talk to you about Jesus. And of course, there's no response. He can't, he, you know, his tongue's all swollen up and he's just a mess. And, and so I, I basically pitched the gospel to him, telling him that, that God loved him and, and that he didn't want him to go to hell. And that if he would receive Christ and repent of his sin, that he would be able to be born again and receive everlasting life. And so I had a hold of his hand. And I said, now, Dad, I said, listen. I said, I know you can't talk to me, but I said, if, if, if you want to follow me in a prayer, then I want you to squeeze my hand. He liked to broke my hand off because he knew this, the gig is up. You talk about the grace of God, you guys. I watched it because three days later, he went to eternity. But I prayed a simple prayer with him, and I know that he prayed that prayer, and he went to heaven. Well, I didn't know what to do. You know, when you get, when somebody gets to that point, what can you do? You know, because you can't communicate with them. Well, here's this woman, unsuspecting. I mean, didn't know anything about anything, but she gave me the wisdom that I needed to be able to communicate with my dad. And he got saved. So I'll look forward to seeing him in heaven. Amen. Are you listening to me? Some of my family members, they wait till the last minute. My oldest brother, he's 17 years old and I'm trying to quit. No, he's 17 years older than I am. And same thing happens. He gets up about 77, 78 years old and he's just rough around the edges and socially backwards and just kind of like a bull in a china shop, you know. But, but I finally said, I said, listen, Jim, I said, I need to talk to you. You know, these people in your life, you guys, you need to talk to them. Okay. And uh, I said, we need, we need to talk about eternity. And he said, yeah, I know, you know. I said, well, I said, listen, I said, uh, we don't know what the outcome of this is. The doctors come in and, you know, he's, he's getting up in age. You know, the Bible says that we're promised 70 years and if by reason of strength more, well, here he is 77 years old, you know, and he's got health issues and things of that nature. And I was able to lead that man to the Lord before he died. I think it was uh, maybe two days later and he died. 
So I'm telling you what, man, these people are getting in by the skin of their teeth, but at least they're getting in. Are you listening to me? Don't wait that long. Well, I don't have to talk to, talk to you about that. But, but my point is, is that I was able to lead him to the Lord. Now, that wasn't so much uh, on our subject about the wisdom part, but we just need to be available, you guys. Amen. Y'all glad you came tonight? Let's bow our heads together. We'll pray, and then we'll receive our offering. Father, thank you tonight uh, for these precious people again and just their uh, listening hearts. And God, I just thank you, Father, that whatever the need may be within their lives, Father, that by the Holy Ghost, you will speak to them about what it is that needs to be done. Why don't you just stand with me right here, right now? Let's just do this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, Father. Let's bow our heads before the Lord as we stand before him in his presence. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Now, I just want to uh, take just a moment here for you to, a lot of times we, we don't act we don't, we, we, yeah, you know, I need to do that. No, I don't want that to happen. I want us to respond to him tonight. If you've got a need in your life, whatever it is that it may be, maybe you're discouraged. Somehow or another, that seemed to keep coming up um, within the context of the service. It may be that worry or anxiety or something has somehow tried to just uh, gain a foothold within your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Maybe it's a need that you have financially. You know, whatever it is, you say, well, I need all three of them. Well, that's good. Then praise God, this is a place to be in. Why don't you just pray this simple prayer with me? Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I trust in you. And I thank you that you love me enough to send your son Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy and grace. I come to you tonight with this need in my life and I ask you to minister to that need and I believe that I receive my need met and so thank you Lord for delivering me or granting me what it is I need and I thank you Lord for your blessing in my life hallelujah Hallelujah. Praise God. Just thank him for a moment. And then if there's something specific, if it's wisdom or it's, you know, you're, you're uh, overwhelmed by worry or care, then just say, Father, I give that to you or I'm asking you for that or whatever the need may be and just receive it right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, we believe we receive right now. Thank you, Lord, for health, wholeness, soundness within our bodies. Thank you, Lord God, for restoring and making every part of our being absolutely whole in the name of Jesus. Himself took our infirmity and bore our sicknesses. Thank you, Lord, for your blessing tonight. We believe you, Lord. Guide us in our giving. We thank you, Father God, that as we give, it'll be given to us. And we believe in giving, Father God, to the kingdom of God. So we thank you for your blessing on it in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Praise God. You may be seated.